you know, in, in finance, private equity, and, and knowing that my heart was in hospitality. And, but, you know, you get used to a certain lifestyle in and, and, and banking and, and to say, you know what, I know it's the most, it's one of the most competitive industries to be in and, and, and there are more failures than, than successes. But screw it, I'm just gonna do it and, and moved across into, into hospitality. Everyone has ambitions, things they want to do or where they want to be. For most of us, those ambitions are still on the to-do list. You get round to them one day. But some people overcame procrastination. They knew the risks. They said screw it and just did it anyway. I, your host Alex Chisnell, am on a mission to hear from the world's most brilliant minds, inspirational entrepreneurs, leaders in human optimization, entertainers, authors, those on this big journey of life who all took the leap. They became the people they wanted to be. They had the vision, followed through with the action, made progress, and they got from where they were to where they wanted to be. In this series of revealing, challenging, and often surprising conversations, my hope is to inspire you to screw it and just do it and get from where you are to where you want to be. If you aren't already, make sure to subscribe so you're the first to be notified when a new episode is released. And you can now watch this and all future episodes on YouTube. Just search, screw it, just do it. Now on to today's show. A question I often ask my guests is, what legacy are you leaving? Another topic thrown around today, especially in my industry, is what are you investing in? Whether that's crypto, a greener planet, or even gold. But how about investing in yourself? Personally, I get up every morning, chuck myself in the sea, I go for long runs, and most days I do a 10-minute meditation and some yoga investing in my physical and my mental health. But what about your financial health and indeed your financial future? Imagine having total financial security in your retirement, including protection for your family. They care for even after you're gone. Income for Life is an investment you can make today for your future and your family's future. A yearly income from your investment, plus a guarantee against any stock market losses. You'll get up to 10 to 12% return every year to provide a yearly income for yourself and a financial nest egg to leave your family and loved ones. Income for Life, securing your future, your family's future, and the future of your business. I know you might be thinking, what's the catch? But there is absolutely no catch. This is just a simple life insurance policy with the promise of a secure income, safeguarding both you and your family's future. A new product on the market that you have the privilege of being amongst the first to benefit from. From me to you, so you can ensure you leave a strong and stable legacy. Email inquiries at capitalforlife.com and see how this solution can help you, your family, or your business partners. That's inquiries at capitalforlife.com to guarantee your tomorrow today. And don't forget to mention where you heard about it first. Screw it, just do it. So welcome to another episode of Screw It, Just Do It, where today I'm joined by Sanjay Nandi, CEO of the iconic Pasha Group. Now, Pasha is one of the world's most iconic nightclubs where heritage, music, and glamour combine. An electric mix of authenticity, spontaneity, fun, and kudos. Since 1973, Pasha has been the inherent pioneer of Ibiza's dance and cultural movement, where the cherries and the island of freedom go hand in hand. From Pete Tong, David Guetta, Pasha has been home to some of the world's finest DJs, whilst the likes of Michael Jordan, Mick Jagger, and Kylie Minogue are just some of the celebrities who have graced its dance floors. 
Sanjay has led the expansion of the Pesha Group, Leo and Destino Hotel as Chief Development Officer of the group. He is now CEO and we're going to dive into the rich history of Pasha right through to the 50th anniversary of Pasha this year, 2023. Thank you for coming on the show. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. So first off, how did you come to be working with Pasha in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's obviously a question I get I, I get a lot. I mean, most of my friends would would happily trade jobs with uh, with me, um, except when they see me at the nightclub not drinking, and then <laughs> it's a different different experience. But no, I started at Pasha now. This will be this is my seventh season. So okay. yeah, seven years ago, um, I had uh, actually. If I step back uh, a bit, I I started off in uh, in finance and banking, and even though I had a real passion for for hospitality, which probably started when you know growing up around the dinner table at home and my dad was in the navy and he would have uh, for some reason these sort of hosting dinners for foreign dignitaries politicians business leaders and and my my mom was like a walking talking crm right like the um <laughs> customer relationship manager yeah and you know and and just entertaining people at the dinner table was uh was a big thing you know what people like what wine they drink you know who you put next to whom, and mm. yeah, that kind of training early on, it, it really, really um, stuck with me. And and so it, it was always, you know, an industry that that it's an industry that's that's highly likable, of course. Yeah. And but then you know, I spent time in in finance and banking, but always with my heart in in hospitality, trying to do trying to do deals on you know whether it's pubs, restaurants, etc. So uh, you know, okay. so, so in that side of of banking, and then about. Um, Ten years ago, I stepped away to to work on sort of new restaurant projects uh, here in uh, in London, and I think through through some of that experience and uh, some conversations, I got I got asked to um, whether I would consider doing like two days a week at uh, at Pasha uh, in the winter. So you know to to understand the the nuts and bolts of the company and and, and things like that and. And I, I think that, you know, even though it was sort of off season, uh, I think being in Ibiza and understanding what the brand means to everyone was just truly shocking. I mean, it is a brand that I loved and I knew before, mm. uh, but really what it, you know, what it stands for and, and all the things you said in the introduction, absolutely right. So it started off as a sort of two day a week uh, thing. And then, of course, moved to, you know, I was running operations um, uh, for a couple of seasons and then sort of expansion uh, around the world mostly with the Leo brand, which, you know, we, we can talk about. Yeah. Um, and then two years ago, now I've been I've been CEO for, for two years. Amazing. And uh, tell me a little bit about um, the, the, the dinner parties your father used to throw <laughs> then. So where do you get such an eclectic group of people together? So is he working for the Navy at the time? Yes. I mean, he, I think he was sort of, uh, you know, involved in... Um, in a, in a part of the Navy, which was looking to, you know, exert influence around the world. And, mm -hmm. and, and so as a result, there would be this, this eclectic group of, of people that would show up and very, you know, each group would be very different from the other. And, and, you know, whether it was the food or the wine or, or, uh, or the scotch or the music, you know, you had, you had to, you had to know what was going to work. Yeah. And you know, despite my age, I was still had to head up like one of the tables and and really? talk to yeah. Talk and how to, old were you back then, uh, soldier? Fifteen, right. sixteen, and and you know, and and of course they would humor me, and it was. But for me, it was you know very serious and very proud, telling all these uh, all these stories. So yeah, I think that's where it started. 
Interesting, interesting. And um, can you remember like what your first experience of the passion group was? Had you been to Ibiza um, on a holiday or had you been to a restaurant? Or Yeah, I, I had been. I'd been to Ibiza before, you know, a few times. But uh, I think my my favorite story is usually like a full circle story where where we went out as people would usually go Thursday night. You, you get in and you go straight to... Um, uh, to David Guetta's, uh, uh, David Guetta at, at, at Bacha, who that time had the, the Fuck Me I'm Famous party. Yeah. Um, so you go straight there and we couldn't really afford anything, but we managed to to blag our way to like the cheapest VIP seats, which are up against the wall right at the back. Um, and and I remember thinking, wow, I mean, you could feel the energy of, of the space, the fact that you walk through the kitchen and you come in, it's like a um, I mean, it's a fit. Uh, it's basically a Spanish finca turned mm. super club, right? So, um, and I and actually that that's what distinguishes uh, Pasha. It's one of the many uh, areas of uh, distinction between Pasha and say Amnesia or that that time space or or yeah. high. I mean, it's not a warehouse structure, right? Mm. Like it's a house. So you you walk through, um, and you know different parts of the club are, are, are connected um, uh, to each other in that way almost as you were walking through through a house, right? Mm. And so we were up against the wall towards the back and, and, and it was great. I mean, the vision was slightly uh, obstructed, not just by the alcohol, but but by, you know, how the columns and things were. So one of the things I did, you know, after after joining the, the company, taking over, was to is to clear the, the sight lines from the back. Yeah, so it, so it nice. does improve the, the experience. Yeah. Uh, we increased the size of the dance floor. So, you know, increased the space for, for people who pay tickets. Uh, and reduce the amount of VIP. I, I mean, true. I, I always say this is you know, Pasha is more flower power than money power, right? Yeah. Like, so it's about the people and yeah. and and so up against the world. But as I tell you the story, I uh, you know, most recently we had some of our biggest nights. We had uh, the DJ Solomon playing together with Kanye Music, you know, and uh, and of course everything gets sold out. And so you know, we have owners' tables, but every time the price is, uh, is achieved, it gets sold and I move further back. <laughs> and so for that night, I was up against the wall again, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> even right. though I was uh, CEO, you know, <laughs> and I had some investors and friends who I was uh, hosting, but again, all the way at the back, at least I was on the right side of the wall. Brilliant. <laughs> and was that, that was like for the 50th anniversary? That was for the 50th That's anniversary. Hilarious. So <laughs> uh, Funny, funny. Yeah, I've got like one of those kind of full circle moments. I remember going, to Ibiza for the first time in like late nineties, and then literally having every you know and, and seeing the the you know the club, the harbor, and just recognizing the logo straight away. Even though you know I didn't know anything obviously about Ibiza, having never been there before, but you know with a group of friends, and it's funny like through the years we've gone from like you know staying in a you know really small cheap nasty place in like San Antonio to then having a villa up in the hills where you could see like manumission and, and amnesia and stuff like that right through to full circle moment going on like the first package holiday with the kids <laughs> and um literally going down to the beach in the morning with the kids with the you know like spades and and, and all of that and literally seeing people coming out of the, the nightclubs and then and me and my <laughs> wife look at each other going this isn't how it was meant to be you know <laughs> But I'm sure we're not the only ones who've kind of been through that journey, you know. Yeah. But but just to say, no, I mean, Ibiza is like that. It's a fantastic, a magical island, and there's stuff for everyone to do. Of course, the you know everyone knows it, knows it for the clubs and the music. But you know, it's beautiful. The hikes have been on, and you know, and the markets, and yeah, it, it's it's such a fun place to be, no matter what age. 
It is. And Ibiza town, again, I've done that with just my, at the time, girlfriend, now wife, and gone for like the romantic, you know, inside the, the yes. old old city walls and Correct. just done like restaurant experience and not yeah. gone to a club and had yeah. like the most amazing time. Well. Still do that with my wife. So we do one day on, one day off, right? Oh, one day in the you. club, the next day, <laughs> uh, like either that. the beach or something romantic. Yeah. Yeah. That's very good. And was there anything that, that drew you to the brand at that time, given the position you're now, you mm-hmm. you clearly could have gone in many different directions and having had a kind of heritage in um, in hospitality as well. Yeah, you know, it's true. I, I mean, I suppose I didn't really, really understand the power of of Pasha, the the brand. I, you know, it was it was it was something I'd heard of, obviously, and and recognized the logo, and you know, I and I knew there was. There was uh, stuff I could learn there and and contribute, but but I think I was blown away by what it means to uh, to the people of the island. In the years that I was running operations, I was obviously on the island working right. there, and I would get stopped on, on the street and the you know a conversation about Pasha and uh, yeah, but what are you doing about this and when are you bringing that party back? And it was always a sense of ownership of the island of mm. Pasha, right? Like, and it, it was, it, you know, you realize very quickly that you're 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 a, you're a custodian for mm. of the brand for for the people, right? And you know, and therefore, you know, some of the things that I did was was bring back the the local sort of card that gets you in nice. uh, to most yeah. events, and and then you know, we recently last week I was in Ibiza for the um, for the event that we have in Ibiza town, which. You know, we we help the 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 town organize and and Solomon plays plays in in Ibiza town, which you know we we help contribute. So, I you know it's all this stuff that you know giving back to the island and 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 understanding that this this brand is is as much theirs as it as it is ours. And then from then on, you know, moving to business development when I was traveling the world, whether it was from uh, uh, Tokyo Tokyo in the east to I don't know uh, Tulum or even further Vegas and and Cabo in in, in the west. You know, people know about the brand. Like they, they say, "Oh, wow, Pasha, great!" And I would meet, you know, various um, industry leaders in these towns. Um, you know, wherever I was, and you know, Steve Wynn. I remember saying, "Oh, yeah, Pasha, great." You know, Leo, and then and he'd ask questions specific about about Leo, and, and they've all been. And and in Hong Kong, I met. Um, the uh, the owner of Dragon Eye, which is like the top nightclub there. Of course, my job involves traveling all all, all these places and going to all the nightclubs. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> and he said, oh, I remember Leo. Yeah, you had um, you, a very expensive table, and then at the end of the show, wh- when the dinner show finished, they said, Would you like to stay for the club? And I said yes. And they sold me the the ta- they sold me another table. And then when it was time to go to the club, I just got up. They turned the table around, and and it was the same table. So you sold me the table twice, right? Like, oh, and, wow. and he's like, and I love that. That's what I do here now, right? Like, so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's all yeah, these yeah. things, that, you know, uh, in terms of how the brand travels both within the island and and outside. Uh, great mm. stories. Yeah, uh, Wynn Hotel. That's that's the best breakfast I've ever had in Vegas. I've been to Vegas a lot with Virgin Atlantic, obviously yeah. as well. It's the best breakfast I've ever had over there. I still still remember it. I can still picture it in my. In my mind's eye. Yeah. Must have been at Sedell's, I think, which was the breakfast place. But uh, okay, yeah. And I always like when you're talking about like um, speaking to the locals in, in Arbeta Town, it reminded me of, again, I don't know if he still does it because I haven't been in the airline since 2009, but I always remember uh, Richard Brandt whenever Richard was on board the plane, instead of literally just sitting in an upper class seat and watching movies for eight hours, he would get a seat. In it. And I know some of that's probably for show Correct, and build yeah. the personal brand, but 
getting a seat in economy and and then spending the flight walking around chatting to the customers with with a with a pen and a pad of paper and just writing stuff yeah. down getting their feedback and i just thought at the time you know you're kind of impressionable 20 year old something at the time thinking wow okay that's pretty cool that he's actually doing that when you look back and you yeah you think of that you're getting feedback right at the coal face you know right at the yes. trenches no i mean really well said and 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 you know he's he's obviously been one of the guys out there you know role models out, out there to to watch in this in this industry i think uh to be honest some industries need more of it and you know some you can get away with with not doing it i mm-hmm. think uh in hospitality you absolutely have yeah. to i mean you know leadership is i think i guess what i'm saying is leadership is different in different industries i mean for me basically it's about sort of having a vision and communicating that vision but you know in in hospitality you have you know youngsters who are at the who are client facing right and and the kitchen staff or the porters who are indirectly client facing and and you know interacting you know what i found what you know where i spend a lot of my time is divided between is developing other people's venues. So okay. visiting other people's venues, understanding what's happening and changing, not just in Ibiza, I mean, around the world, as I said, mm. but also when I'm within our venues, it is, you know, doing the whole customer journey every time I go. So okay. you're going through the entrance of the GA um, and then you go walk through the VIP, you go through the toilets, you go through the kitchen, you speak to the guys everywhere because you learn so much. And as a result, uh, when I'm doing it with uh, with friends or investors, you know, you 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 don't realize uh, how different that is and how noticeable it is when you know you know things about their parents or where they're actually from and yeah, things like that. I yeah. mean, it's uh, but it's um, it. But I but you know I I I don't think you do that because it's a nice thing to do. I think you do that because it makes you a better leader and okay. you you understand what the problems are and 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 you go ahead and fix them. I mean, nothing annoys me more to know that you know people who are uh, uh, waiters, for example, or managers spend more time on sort of infrastructure-related stuff rather than dealing with clients, right? I yeah. mean, so the infrastructures should be fixed, and mm. and 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 most of their complaints are not about their actual job, but about them doing something else that's not really their job. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, but it's it's key, isn't it? And it's I always think that I had the best training in customer service from Virgin. That when I literally left uni and went to travel the world for free ultimately working for virgin and having that customer service like fast forward on a number of decades like me and my wife wherever we go is you know just watch it like like a hawk how the how your table service is mm. we're just on me and my friends on a, on a golf break that weekend before last and it was you know you just really notice things and note down and, and have a little word you know if things aren't as you as you expect them given you know what you're paying and and what the experience is actually marketed as and it you don't get that experience so you mentioned vision there interested to know sanjay how much of the original vision for pasha are you familiar with like mm-hmm. when when another yeah. another richard richard um ergel isn't it uh, yeah. set the club up in 1973 yeah no it's um it's important you know uh I, I know this has been been said a lot right like to know where you're going you need to know where you came from right and and for for a brand like pasha it's extremely important you could spend you know uh millions on or hundreds of thousands on consultants mckinsey whatever but you know what you learn from from understanding the history and what people will tell you almost for free yeah. apologetically even right like <laughs> yeah. you're getting sort of free advice but you know the, the club like you said at the start 
you know, founded in in seventy three, and then the seventies was basically Ricardo and his brother Petey they were used to travel to the UK in the off season and and look for sort of new music and come back with these LPs and get stopped at the border and like well, why are you carrying like five hundred <laughs> LPs and and then they would play the music in the in the club and 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 people would love it right because it's music that they hadn't he- heard before and. Uh, and wasn't you know available in Spain, and so it it it, it caught on. The eighties was uh, more of the movida culture, so focused around um, Madrid, Pasha Madrid, and in in Ibiza at that time it was you know two DJs playing back to back into the uh, you know early hours of the morning, um, open air. I think things sort of towards the late eighties and and early nineties. That's when sort of the creativity of of Pasha come came to its fore, right? Like because they had all these party ideas. So you had uh, pelos locos, which is like crazy hair. So everybody came up dressed up with like crazy hair. Uh, you had the white party, which now is quite common, I, I yeah. suppose. You had the beach party where the dance floor was covered in sand. God forbid, I don't know how long it take, <laughs> takes oh to God. clean that. Um, the Mister and Miss party, uh, where you have you know judging and stuff like that. And and actually, if you know Pasha well, the the right behind the DJ is probably the most expensive place to be. Is called Horado after the, because that's where the jury used to sit for the Vista Vis party, like ah, in, in yeah in the uh, in the early nineties. So so all the crazy parties, and then I think things changed to us two thousands. All the the big sort of music labels came in, Ministry of Sound, Renaissance, etc. Yeah. But they would they would you know test the music mm. at Pacha to see you know what the reaction was before releasing it elsewhere, and so. For them, it was great, but for the for the clients, for you know, for people coming to Pasha, it was great because you hear new stuff before anyone's yeah. heard it. Which, by the way, it still happens, right? I was going to say because it still happens. If, you know, still happens. Didn't have the internet and social media, and yeah, exactly. You, know, you can do Spotify or Apple, but I'm guessing the DJs would still like have you know white labels. Oh my goodness, yes. Test it. I, I mean, I yeah. do that. I do it in May. I mean, I I, I I come back to the history, but like April, May, when I'm back home. Uh, you know, it's happened a few times. So now the kids are aware, right? And they're like, "So, so what? what, what what's playing now?" I, you know, and I share my playlist from from April and May, and they they tell their friends. And then by sort of uh, by August, it's it's in the charts, yeah. right? And and at that time, they haven't heard it. They haven't heard it yet, right? Like so, it's, I mean, it's like, <laughs> oh so wow, cool. that's so cool. Yeah, um, you get bonus points. <laughs> you get bonus points. Really? And then I think after the big labels came sort of EDM, so uh, say Roger Sanchez, David Guetta, mm. Swedish House Mafia, etc. But then at that point, I think it became quite quite big, big noise, big rooms, and, and Pasha sort of moved towards more underground style of music, you know, which is where which is where it is now with Luciano and and Solomon, yeah. and that sort of distinguishes Pasha uh, now. So. You can see that over the years, there's, there's, you know, there's creativity constantly, constantly innovating, you know, where's, and, and you still see Pasha sort of moving before, almost trend setting rather than following a trend. And, you know, it's, it's not that easy. I mean, I, I've been at the company, like I said, my seventh season and, and this year we've got, you know, uh, like seven days a week, uh, all our residencies, like fantastic. And and as a result, you know, the great results, best results ever. So, really? Yeah. Oh, congratulations. No, That's you. brilliant. That's good to know. Wow. And do you see that that real resurgence? So we haven't talked about it yet, but coming off the back of a pandemic and the events industry literally being, you know, mothballed, et cetera. Do you, do you see that as continuing to, 
well, clearly with the results, but the demand. Did you see that scene throughout your industry? Yes. I mean, it was a very, very difficult time for everyone in the, in the not just in the industry, but specifically for uh, the, the industry and especially the nighttime economy and mm-hmm. <laughs> nightclubs were probably the worst hit. And and so I think one of the things I, I realized, and this is pre, pre-COVID, was, you know, how people would say our Pasha is just, you know, unique. It's, it's all about Ibiza and it, you know, and it's... Uh, and so for me, the the expansion uh, of the group, uh, because we have other brands in there, not just Pasha, mm-hmm. the expansion of the group was was best served through through a concept called Leo, that's L-I-O, which in Spanish means like, crazy, you're messy, and it's a sort of dinner show. So you have you have dinner, you watch you watch a show, and then it turns into a nightclub. And so you're there for longer. You know, period of time, your average length of stay is longer than if you were at a restaurant or they or if you were at a club. And and you don't have to go outside again and stand in line again. And, you know, so okay. it's, it's all there. It's all contained. Yeah. And this sort of experiential offering around dinner, again, is similar to, you know, growing up where, you know, we, we'd ha- have a chat, move to move to dinner, have dinner, music, dancing, etc. So, yeah. you know, the, having the long night where you're entertained all the way through, I think, was key. So taking that um, that brand, I think, through COVID, you know, we had to decide, okay, we're obviously, you know, having to cl- shut down our operations, but we're going to use this time to to further develop the the concept mm. and to look for, you know, spaces, which was slightly easier to to get at that time, you know, in various markets that are similar to Ibiza. So we we managed to secure a site in, in Palma, uh, Mallorca, Tito's, which, you know, has been around 80, 90 years, and it's a mm. cabaret dinner show uh, venue, always has been, and you know, we we return that to its um, its glory days, and you know, if you're ever in Palma, you, you should you should come and see it uh, on the waterfront. Fantastic! And we did the same here in London. So we've taken Cafe de Paris, and and now we have the Leo London here, the dinner show, and and yeah, very very exciting. Uh, you know, to be able to provide a, a full experience through the night. So I think looking at that, looking back at at, at COVID, whilst it was difficult, I think you know, taking the risk of of making the investments for the future, I think is was 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 key for us. And I think that, you know, risk taking is 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 something that is at the heart of 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 vision and, and leadership really. And of course you just don't it's not like, you know, you're going to a casino or something. You you know, you do the research and you you understand what the risks are and then you go ahead and and that allowed us to to use you know, through the period of COVID, as as a more positive thing to do, uh, kept everyone employed, and you know, and and uh, with new projects coming online, and so now when people are sort of coming back to uh, to the open to the market, we're already up and ready, and you know, yeah. and we're, we're running. So. Yeah, interesting. I was chatting to um, uh, entrepreneur Simon Gardner recently for the show, and he's had a recruitment business that he that he's taken to 100 million uh, in 13 in 13 years, 100 million revenue annually. Wow. And um, he was saying, like during COVID, you know, they they were going up against you know huge recruitment companies that've been around since since the dawn of time. And he said, you know, when everybody else was like furloughing, everybody said yes, but we furloughed those who um, were part time or it wouldn't really you know suited them. But he said, I use this as the opportunity to actually kind of you know sharpen my axe, you know, mm-hmm. so that when the doors reopened, we were ready. We were already already exploring new markets that we could go into. We were going up yes. against, you know, we'd have. 16 people in the sales team we're going up against organizations that had a 
hundred to a thousand people in the sales team because we knew we could compete because we had that time to yeah. you know to bide and do our research and, and and come again really so i i think those businesses that have been really successful of the back of the back of covid have, have done just what you say um i remember seeing literally a couple of weeks ago going past on a, on a boat in barcelona the pasha club there yeah, yeah but it reminded me when you're talking about lee and i haven't been to leo but i obviously love to go next time i'm i'm, I'm in london reminded me of a, a venue i went to in amsterdam called supper club mm -hmm. and that was being served food and and it was an element of fancy dress with all of the staff there and then you know we weren't expecting this and there was a, a dj and generally as the evening went on the beats got faster and faster and then they threw open these massive doors to a nightclub and we were just like ah yeah away we go you know and like you said you didn't have to go out yeah. and queue again you saw the people queuing to get in the club but we were already in there and you just you kind of felt like you'd won yeah <laughs> you know no and 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 you know we're very lucky in in, in Ibiza, uh leo has, has been a great success it's been around for a while i mean it opens and it's full already you know for the really? season i mean 80 to 90 percent of our customers in the opening weeks and closing weeks are you know have been before i mean the the amount of repeat business we have there is, is is staggering and and instead of taking them for granted we can constantly reinvest in in the show and this year uh for the first time the entire show is uh, is brand new right like the oh, one in, wow, the okay. one in ibiza and yeah and you know typically in business you say okay that one's making money just let it run and yep. like, let's focus on something else but you know that's just the start of of something going wrong right so you've mm -hmm. got to so we reinvest and we read on the show there um, and then, you know, we moved the show around to, to the different locations. We're now in, in Mykonos, uh, Palma, Mallorca, like I said, London, Ibiza. We open in, in Dubai next year. And then, you know, we've done pop-ups in Vegas, which oh, are wow. hugely successful. I bet. Yeah, yeah, we're looking yeah. to do one. Now, I, and I think the, the key difference is that this isn't just any dinner show. I mean, the, the artists are sort of award-winning, you know, actually can can be from broadway or um right. the theater here and hugely successful but you know are happy to to join our family and 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 you know and see the world as a result similar to to joining virgin i suppose yeah indeed indeed and that you know original vision by R ricardo was that an international vision at the time did he did he no i, I don't no, I mean he he was focused on on Pasha in in Ibiza. He did want the brand to travel. Mm. He didn't want to necessarily travel himself, right? And so he signed he signed you know several sort of franchise agreements around the world, including here in London. Right. Um, but what that meant was you know the experience of a customer in Pasha wherever Pasha London uh, was not the experience they would get in um, mm. in Ibiza. So so you know. That's one of the things that I I changed. So we we came away you, from okay. from all of that, and we yeah. have you know, and now we only have two franchises that are extremely well run. One, the one you said in Barcelona, and another okay. one in Munich, and we don't have any others. Okay. And then the brand that we do use is is Leo, and that is traveling around the world. But again, we control the customer experience. We control you know, so it's our venue, yeah, rather than a franchised or licensed venue. I see. Okay, interesting. I, I remember going to Pasha in London as well. Yeah, know? and and when you go in, it's not the same experience as when you had in Ibiza. You start questioning. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So the vision is. I'm mean, sorry. So the vision has changed in that mm. respect, but also I think that you know again, you know, Ricardo must yeah genius as he was and great guy and you know 
we we've had to I, I alluded to it at the start we've we've spent money on the club again in Ibiza where you know it makes money there's no real reason to do it but as a result we've doubled the you know based on the changes we've made which was to increasing the dance floor reducing VIP increasing the sight lines you know refreshing the 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 lineup the residencies uh or you know the marketing around the world and and the events that we that we do all that has led to a doubling of of um of the financial performance of of Pasha so you know all that has been a change yeah it does work it does work (laughs) What do you perceive then as, you know, talking about trying to get the brand to, to, to travel? What do you think the essence is if you if you could, you know, mm-hmm. bottle it for, for what Pasha kind of represents? Yeah, I think it, uh, Pasha is, you know, quite clearly the um, uh, the manifestation of the real Ibiza, right? So it's about openness, um, freedom, freedom of expression, creativity, artistry, uh, that that sense of freedom that you get when you know when you're in Ibiza, they don't you know in Ibiza you don't necessarily like being well anywhere in the world you don't like necessarily being put in a box or in you know, that you can do this but you can't do that etc. And and Pasha, you know even in the VIP it's it's very loose you know, everyone knows each other and it's all quite familiar. So I think if we're able to uh, only when we're able to capture that essence would we take the brand everywhere. So you come you know you come to leo london it's not you know a new development it's it's uh, 95 years old so it's older than pasha it was bombed yeah. in the war and rebuilt right yeah and so it has history there so you know we have we have reason to be there because we we're bringing cabaret we're bringing cabaret dinner show back to you know the original um venue in 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 london so and, and we do that with our artists and with the creativity and all that so so we're trying to bring those very elements that I spoke about to a genuine, you know, a place with history. Yeah, and yeah. if we combine the two, then I think you have an Ibiza experience. Uh, what you, you'll see. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, could tell indeed, me. Indeed. And like I said, over 50 years in any business, you, you're going to have challenges. Mm-hmm. And, and clearly the pandemic was one of them. In, in your tenure, like the last seven years, what would you say has been the, the biggest challenge you've had to, had to overcome in the business? That as, as a leader of course you know for, for anyone in, in hospitality um covid's been 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 the biggest but we did talk about that i think take you know trying to use that time um just as your your, your friend did as well right to to reset and figure out strategically what's important and what you want to look like when you come out of covid i think that was important but at the same time i think you know going to going to an island and sort of understanding that that you are a guardian of the brand rather than the owner of the brand right mm-hmm. i think is is very important for a brand like uh like pasha and and listening to you know what people have to say not just people on the street but also in your business they've been doing it for years you know i remember when we reopened post covid at pasha i said to one of the managers i said okay um, why don't you double your usual sort of training schedule prior to the opening? And and he said, well, why would you do that? And I said, well, because you obviously got new people that are going to come back, you know, post-COVID, because during COVID people leave. And he said, Danjay, but we don't have a single new person. I mean, it's everyone's back. No way. Everyone's back. 100%. 100% retention post-COVID is, is just unheard of. Yeah. And and everyone was so happy. I mean, I I remember, you know, 
the hair on the back of my head still says, neck still stands when when I think about like the the, the opening party on um, 28th of April 2022 was just nuts. Was, I was gonna say that yeah. must have been some event. Yeah, it was it was fantastic, <laughs> and and we yeah we about done it this year. So <laughs> yeah, it shows you how things uh, how things evolve and how things change. But but I think you know this goes to this goes to something that's that's very close to my heart, right? Like so. Yeah, we talked about vision and uh, communication, but as part of that vision, it's not just something you, that comes to you. It, it's it's something that you that you pick up, that you observe, and and how does that work? That observe that sort of that vision for me at least is is in is in traveling, is in reading, you know, and 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 understanding and 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 listening. And I and I think that listening, you know, takes different forms, but. I think that is critical. If that has been critical for me in in driving my uh, my vision and creativity for this for this industry, and then listening is you know so important that you know even once you've got your vision, you have got to communicate it because if you don't communicate it well enough, then you just drive yourself crazy mm. <laughs> or have to do it all yourself. Yes, exactly. And, commu- and no one buys in. Yes, no one buys yeah. in. And then you can't communicate by like flashy PowerPoint or, you know, it depends which industry you're in, but, you know, yeah, it's about understand, you know, trying to communicate and motivate people at different levels. So whether it's a kitchen porter all the way to, to one of your sort of VIP managers, you know, and understanding the problems they have and, and how and why your vision is, you know, how that will address the various concerns that they have and how they all sort of line up to, to get to that, to get to that point. So I think the, th- some of the stuff that's really important to me and you know I've had for for a long time not just developed over Pasha probably refined um for for what works at at Pasha yeah no it's interesting because and, and I'll always say this like we've done over 500 interviews for this show over the last seven years you know everybody from a from like a Ted Baker founder you know Ray Calvin um you know through to like Lush another like billion dollar brands and they all say the hardest thing to get right is uh is hiring good staff but um the second hardest thing becomes keeping yeah those staff and you know to get 100 percent retention in any industry is phenomenal especially yeah. hospitality yeah that's yeah, a part of the brand yeah, power, power of the, the brand, brand. Yeah. interesting and how have you like you know I, we used to go for for that period in time used to go to ibiza you know every every single season then when we come home and i was living in in fulham and wimbledon at the time i <laughs> Our club was home that we used to go to, like in the nineties. But how do you avoid the fate of of like a, ha- a home where there's rumours of, you know, drug use and and all these kinds of things when you when you're in that kind of industry? How do you avoid the fate of that? Because that many clubs have suffered that fate, yet you're fifty years strong and still going, and have avoided mm. anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a very serious uh, question and 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 topic. I think. You know, on on our side, we, we 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 address the issue with you know training of our of our staff. They understand you know zero tolerance uh, mm-hmm. policy. We work very closely with the with the police, um, and you know our, our our head of security you know is ex police, but but right. you know we we're there to help them and they're there to help us and and um, and you know we're. We're very responsible in in that way, ensuring that um, uh, that 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 it is clear to to everyone uh, within the group that it's not part of our of our culture, right? Like we're there to um, to entertain and to to give people a good time, 
by by you know giving them a great experience by you know by 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 the music that they listen to and 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 so it's more about their personalities and and uh, uh, and and how you entertain them rather than anything you know anything synthetic it's yeah. uh and yes of course you know through training and through discipline etc we're able to yeah, you know, have to make examples of uh, of zero tolerance. You know, yeah. It, but yeah, it works, and 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 people buy into it. But um, it's a it's a tough subject. Yeah, must be because you you know that many programs over the years that you've seen on British TV of you know Brits going over there <laughs> and literally going completely you know over the top, you know, excess, etc. And and then you've got that relationship, obviously, with the council, I guess, on the island and and the police, and it, it's a balancing act, isn't it? Because they want the they want the revenue that tourism brings, but equally they don't want the island to be, you know, full, you know, portraying a bad image to the outside world, do they? So yeah. you've got your part to play, I guess, within that and the other. No, very true. I mean, I think for us, also the people that are coming to Pasha, you know, are there for the music. I mean, mm. it's, uh, you know, the, the tickets, We yeah, at the entry level, we try to make it as, as, uh, as affordable as possible. But they're spending real money, right? Mm. Uh, which they've worked hard to uh, to earn. Uh, spending real money to be at the club, and and they want to have a good time at the club, and you know, and listen to their favorite DJ, or be part of, uh, you know, one of our parties or the Flower Power Party or whatever, you know, one of our owned parties, and 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 so that remains the motivation for for someone to mm. uh, to go to Pasha. Um, because the memories they collect there is what they keep. You know, everybody talks about first time at Pasha and what happened at Pasha and the fact that they bought the the t shirt with the cherries on. Yeah, yeah. did that. Yeah, every, <laughs> you know, everyone's got a t shirt with the cherries yeah. on. I mean, you don't have a t shirt with I don't know with, with, with other brands on them. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. So yeah. So I think it's about about the experience and 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 we're lucky that our you know clients see that. Yeah, and what struck me the first time. I went to Pasha as well, but compared to, you know, the big warehouse clubs like mm. the Manumissions and the Amnesias, uh, it was a different type of clientele mm. um, that it that it appeared. And I didn't, you know, know this at the time, but um, just noticing it with friends that one, it wasn't like an 18 to 21 year old audience. It, it was an older audience, yeah. but it was also appeared to be a mix of Spanish and international, not yeah. just. 18 to you know 29 yes. year old Brits for example and Germans yeah. you know yeah. yeah it's still it's still the case I mean is it yeah yeah we have a very diversified uh, client portfolio in different countries and um and of course they all add to the the wonderful you know experience and atmosphere there but it's a more uh, it's an older crowd for sure but it's but it's uh, across all the age groups so you know mm. you go to a flower power which is like 60s and 70s. Uh, music you have like um, parents there with their with their kids I mean, kids above the age of eighteen of course yeah, but yeah. Yeah, yeah you know all of them uh, enjoying themselves together maybe you know the parents in VIP and the kids in GA or something like that I mean my <laughs> my kids would never go into the VIP always in, uh, in right yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 no we definitely got to the stage where it was like we're, we're only then yeah, this is like my other fact we're only going if we're going like VIP you know, <laughs> sit down and yes. <laughs> Enjoy it at your own pace, and you know, dip in and dip out. You yeah, know that yeah, kind of yeah. attitude. I know we do have tables in the VIP, not so many chairs. Yeah, yeah right. Okay, <laughs> brilliant. And you know, you obviously have had the the history of Pasha, you know, intertwined in, into your own story. Mm -hmm. um, 
when would you say when you when you kind of look back when would you say was like the turning point or one of the big turning points where Pasha truly became iconic would you say it was like back in the the 80s 90s or was it the 2000s when the when the bigger labels came in and and everything just got amplified didn't it and then we're on the the dawn of the internet and social media and mm. everything's more what's the phrase i'm looking for accessible yeah yeah i don't know i i you know i i really think that the the different stages are quite quite important as pasha sort of evolved mm. through through those years and it's almost sort of an exact sort of 10 years apart in each time so you know every decade was was different and moving through each one was critical and if you hadn't moved from one to the other you would have been left behind yes. right yes. and and whether you're sort of the last one to move or the first one to move or almost make the move happen right like when you know going backwards if you know the move from EDM to sort of underground music i mean um it wasn't in big clubs before and and um and and Pasha made that move and and it was hugely hugely successful mm. uh also um you know the kind of clients and uh, customers we have it, it's it's more it, it's more suited to to that which is why you don't yeah. have the 18 to 21 yeah, right? yeah. Like, so yeah. I, I think in in every sort of decade there's been something that's uh that's been that's been important and i think uh and that is key to longevity you know mm. you don't like you said you don't have nightclubs that are 50 years old right they all sort of the one two three years well done and then you sort of rebrand or, yeah. or you get shut down because of problems and yeah uh, and you stop investing or you forget what's important to you and and here i think innovation like you know freedom of expression openness all that just keeps getting sort of reiterated into training um at, at pasha so you know I, i'm sure over the next as we get to you know um 20 um, 2030 there'll be another something else and yeah. you know, and we move on from there so i think for, for for the company itself i think ricardo uh stepping back in 2017 which is when i came on um i think was quite uh quite a big move uh for our family owned business to mm. more institutionally owned business um policies and procedures processes yeah. all that kind of stuff um which you know clients have you know have enjoyed have um have appreciated and maybe there was some cynicism perhaps you know when you've been around yeah. for a while change change yeah. always brings some some amount of cynicism but but now from the back of the of the VIP I can see the DJ which is <laughs> great news <laughs> yeah and and who makes a decision like like you say to go from like EDM and you you might have your, your Steve Aoki's or your Armin van Buren's yeah. and then now you move back to kind of more underground music who who kind of makes that decision within the organization yeah we have um a couple of fantastic music directors that that you know have their ear to the ground and uh, or ear to the underground and, <laughs> and you know 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 what's going on but but it's something that that we see and and through the winter you know constantly travel whether it's uh whether it's in Tulum or Miami or Burning Man or you know wherever you, you see what what's up and coming and and you know you have seven days obviously seven days in the week and you know have we have a, a program which has residencies so you have you know monday repeats with that kind of music and 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 now we have sort of outdoor venues as well we've opened a new one this year in fact i'm heading to Ibiza tomorrow for for our closing party at oh, our new I'm jealous <laughs> at I'm our new outdoor venue <laughs> and and that allows us to test you know 
new styles and new types of music. Where is the outdoor venue then? In, in it, it's called it's in the Beni Musa Hills, so okay. towards San Antonio, but yep. up on the hills, it's like three sixty. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, 360 view from there. It's uh, it's it's great. It's like um, you know, it's an oasis almost, and 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 it and it's big. So even though you know you can have two three thousand people, it doesn't feel claustrophobic. Yeah. Uh, and it's open air, right? So and it's called El Cielo, or the sky, and yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, and some great great events there. So I'm there for that tomorrow. Well, and how long are you there for? Just for tomorrow, and then I'm back. Here. Okay, I'm back here for Leo. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's a busy schedule. We've got um, uh, Nick Fanciulli, another famous DJ, playing at Leo mm-hmm. London uh, on the 29th on on Friday. So you're gonna be back for that. Nice. And um, is Pasha currently where you would like it to be as as CEO? And having come in seven years ago, having an understanding of what the original vision was, you know, opening, you know different brands and under the the group as well leo sounds sounds fantastic yeah interesting is is it where you want it to be and is there anything more you'd like to do yeah it's a great great question it's a long I mean, question yeah, probably. Yeah, no, i mean <laughs> no i i think i i am so happy with you know what we've achieved in 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 these seven years and and you know the business has doubled compared to 19 which no one really in hospitality can say and we've achieved that you know, with uh, with innovation and creativity and investing in in our clients and in our product. So, I you know I'm very happy with where that is. I think maybe you know some ancillary stuff that we can do around because our community, the Pasha community, is so widespread, and to be in touch with them like throughout the year, not in some sort of sort of, sort of membership, but like a, a community where mm. you know you don't necessarily have to pay for it, but you know we we're, we're we're all sort of kept together with with news information new releases music you know using music as a tool to uh because it is becoming passion is becoming a bit of a sort of lifestyle you know we also have a fashion label which uh, yeah you know, the t-shirts with the cherries and a little bit more and uh and, why wouldn't you yeah, yeah. and yeah. So, so so being able to connect i think the community is is one of the projects that uh, i'm working on and also more more work around esg i i know it's a bit of a you know cliche but Hospitality historically have been, you know, haven't been at the forefront of of doing things that are sustainable and 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 Pasha. You know, I want to be make sure that Pasha is a trendsetter there as well. Yeah. So I think around technology, uh, connecting the community, the Pasha community, and further work around sustainability and and looking after the island that gave us Pasha. Being the custodian as you are. Correct. Last couple of questions. Share with us one of your favorite Pasha memories. <laughs> <laughs> difficult i'm sure but yeah i you know uh i, I think I, I i told you like the the full circle uh mm. story which which for me is you know is is always front of mind and and which is why i i, I brought it up the other being sort of you know that's within pasha and, and outside of pasha the the story of um uh, the owner of Dragon Eye, sort of you know the leo the leo moment i think that that right. is uh, that is quite stunning um, to know how how far the concepts travel, but I think you know for me the the reopening, you know when we opened post COVID on the twenty eighth of April, um, I think that that event was just just unbelievable. I mean, all our sort of regular clients returned, and and yeah. and and we had some new clients, and and it was it's just a fantastic uh, moment coming together mm-hmm. uh, after such a difficult difficult time. 
um, and no one really knew who was more grateful, right? Like, <laughs> us true. for the clients or the yeah. clients for, you know, for us to be putting on such an amazing show. And, and we're very lucky to have uh, not just the talented DJs, but, you know, the staff that make it all, that make it all work. And, 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 and people come back and feel comfortable at Pasha because, of course, it's a house, but the house usually has a family and the family is, you know, the staff that yeah. have been working there for, for many years. So, yeah, Pasha definitely wouldn't be where it is today without the people that work there. Nice, nice. And I always ask my guests as well, um, in, in your own career, mm-hmm. this could be or it could be just your career in Pasha, has there been any uh, screw it, just do it moments, like an aha moment that took you from kind of where you were to where you, where you wanted to be? Yeah, I'd say I'd say for me the big moment, two big moments. I'd say one was sort of you know in in finance, private equity, and and knowing that my heart was in hospitality, and but you know you get used to a certain lifestyle and in, in in banking, and and to say you know what I know it's the most it's one of the most competitive industries to be in, and. And and there are more failures than than successes. But screw it, I'm just gonna do it and, and moved across into into hospitality. And and then when one thing led to another, and you know they are, I had the chance of of working full time through a summer, which meant you know you know being awake every single night through the summer. It was 140 days uh, of 6 a.m. sort of going to sleep at 6 a.m. Oh. With with my family here, were coming across once in a while to see me. That was that was a big decision, but and I just thought again, let's just do it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Fantastic. Well, look, Sanjay, it's uh, been super cool getting you. I knew this was going to be a good conversation, <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad we found a date that fit into your schedule. Yeah, which you. I thought my schedule used to be crazy at Virgin Atlantic, <laughs> and then you realise that those frequent flyers uh, are flying mm. way more than, yes, than you are. Correct. Well, thank you very much indeed. No, no, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to another episode of Screw It, Just Do It. Remember, you can watch this and all future episodes on YouTube as well now. Just search Screw It, Just Do It in the search bar or hit the link in the show description. I'd love for you to watch an episode and let me know what you thought of it as a visual experience and not just an audio one. Every rating and review I personally read and will share on my socials. So make sure you're following me at Alex Chisnell and also at Screw It Just Do It on all platforms which you can click on in the description. And as you know, every episode is free. So all that I ask is that if you enjoyed this episode, that it's moved you closer to getting to where you want to be, that you share this episode, that it helps one other person do just the same. You can forward the link to this episode, share it on your socials, I don't mind what you do, but please do share this so we can grow this Screw It Just Do It community and help everyone get to where they want to be. Remember, nothing is out of your reach when you know where you want to be. Just ask yourself what small action will move you forward to get you from where you are, then screw it and just do it. Until next time.